Chirpy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> um, I, I guess if you were that budgie and have been through the trauma of those experiences, your song might have got sucked out of you a little bit as well. And the psalm that we read is a psalm where it's emerging out of the experience of a people who have been sucked in, washed out, and blown away, literally, through the experiences that they have lived through. Um, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, we wept. It's the song of the people of Israel after their land has been devastated by the armies of Babylon and formerly by Syria, um, the Assyrian armies. And then the, people, the city is captured. People are, women are raped, children are slaughtered. Orchards are cut down and devastated. And some of those people are taken away into exile in the land of Babylon, the land that we now know as Iraq. And this is a people who in this place are being tormented and mocked by their captors, saying, sing us your songs, the songs that you used to sing before you were dispossessed, before you were violence was done to you as a people, before your brothers and your sisters and your grandparents and your mothers and your fathers and your friends were slaughtered before your eyes. And they're being mocked by their captors in this space. And they say, we hang up our harps on the willows. We have no songs left. Or well, the only song that we've got left, when you look at the words of this particular one, is deep, deep lament emerging out of trauma, accompanied by rage, unhindered rage, and a thirst, even a lust for vengeance. This is the raw reality of this psalm. And there's no other way to really see it. I think we do an injustice to the Psalms when we spiritualize them, when we try to dress them up in Christianese, when we try sometimes even to um, explain away the raw reality of the experience of the people who are giving voice to their pain. Our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors asked us for mirth, saying, sing us one of your songs. How? How can we sing the Lord's song in this foreign land, given all that has happened to us? Why do you mock us so? And yet, and yet, in the middle of this trauma, this mourning, this people start to engage in this, this reminiscence, saying, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I had not set Jerusalem, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. In the midst of the, mo the morning, there is this recollection of how things have been. 
the spaces and the places and all that was oh so familiar before it was destroyed. And thinking about that in the midst of the morning, in the midst of the um, processing of this, this enormous, overwhelming, inconceivable grief. Thinking back, this dispossessed people, victims of this violence, victims of these international power plays, colonized and captured. There are so many echoes in the psalm of the world that we're inhabiting today. All over the face of this planet that we're living on, there are people for whom this is their reality. And even here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, there are people generations on who have within their bones and their bodies the ongoing outlived experience of the trauma that they experienced, the generations before them, now affected in multiple ways, some of which were talked a little bit about, seen in the statistics relating to health even today. And in some ways, when you look at the psalm and you get to the dark end of it, it just finishes in an absolutely horrific space. This is where the rage comes up within the people and the hatred, vitriolic hatred. It's unavoidable. In verse 7, they say, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomite, uh, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall. How they said, Tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. And here is this most horrific, one of the most horrific images in Scripture. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. This is unmitigated, unfiltered rage born out of trauma. This is a people who have watched all that I described earlier and experienced and survived it themselves, some of them. And now those who have mocked them in their trauma and those who caused it, this is what they wish for them. It's horrendous, isn't it? But it's the reality for what happens in people's lives who have been through this experience. And Scripture is not advocating that we adopt these attitudes or engage in this behavior. It's not saying God sanctions it, God commands it, God requires it. God is the cause of it. It's not saying any of those things in this psalm. It's just simply letting us see this raw human reality of what happens in the lives of a people who were traumatized in this kind of a way. You know, sometimes we underestimate the impact of these kinds of events on people, even on Tangata Whenua here in New Zealand, the impact of what happened in the early years and then on through successive generations. Jill and I, some, uh, just a couple of years ago, we went for a um, cycle ride on the Alps Ocean. And fantastic trip, by the way, if you enjoy cycling, or even if you 
don't and you just kind of want to give a, have a little bit of an adventure, then it's a, a fantastic trip to do. Um, and we arrived at the end of Lake Oho, which we park here, usually pronounce as Oha, but um, I'm just trying to get my kupu right. But at the end of that lake, um, there is a po which has been built um, in commemoration of a Māori prophet and tōhanga, a man who was influenced by the Christian church, but also brought his cultural settings and some of his cultural understandings, as we all do. They're just invisible to most of us. <laughs> but we all have culturally framed expressions of our faith. It's only when someone from another culture comes along and says, that's how you do Christianity. We don't do it like that, oh, it's weird, that we really begin to see. The gift of multiculturalism, the gift of biculturalism, is that we, other people allow us to see things that are invisible to our eyes. But uh, this, this man, in terms that the Poe is a commemoration of, um, it intrigued me when I, when, when I came to my Haroa. Uh, to my haro, sorry, uh, and uh, hipa, hipa to my haro, and I was intrigued by this po that sat there. It talked about him having gone gone up this uh, monga, this nearby mountain, and having received a uh, a sense of where he needed to lead his people to from there as um, as a as a leader amongst his people and come back down and. So I went away and I, I dug through the archives, found a book. There was one book by a Māori historian um, on his life and picked up the book and I read it. What an amazing man who had lived through the trauma of dispossession, who had lived through uh, of, of his own lands, but sought to find a way, bringing together the teaching and the way of Jesus and also some of the things that were breathed and born and birthed into him through his own cultural experience of living in a land that was already full of the presence of God before the Christian missionaries got here. This great cathedral that we inhabit is his home, is God's home. And he brought these together and had this amazing peacemaking. He, he, he's like our um, Gandhi of um, Te Wai Pounamu or our um, the prophets also of, of the north who brought the peacemaking ways of Jesus together to, to his people. And, and, and he sought to, in his way of giving voice to the injustices of their disposition of lands, the failure of the crown to provide the, the spaces for their food gathering that they had promised the schools that they promised to build, the hospitals. They're still stealing hospitals off Māori, they promised, <laughs> you know, to build them then. And they didn't do it. And all these other promises that were made. And then taking the lands. And that he traveled, he took a hikoi up, a hundred people up the, the Waitaki Valley. Uh, that's the, the river of weeping water, Waitaki is like Waitangi because of the dialect here, Ngaitahu dialect. Taki is Tangi. So it's the, the weeping waters of the Waitaki River. He took a hundred people back up into the land where they used to gather their kai, 
and the um, the ek of the fish and the rivers and uh, the wicker and other bird life. And they established a community up there on land that the Crown had decided was freely available to them and had leased out to, um, to, to others to farm. And eventually the constabulary came in and um, forced them to leave and come back down, burnt down their village, burnt down the house of worship that they had built there, the place where they were learning and also learning about the way of Jesus in that place. But he didn't become this. This man was entitled, I would say, in many respects, to give voice and vent to this kind of rage that we encounter in the psalm. But did he do it? He certainly spoke strongly. He went, travelled to um, to the north to speak with government officials, and had others do the same, and spoke strongly of the sense of injustice and the failure to provide for them, and this disposition that occurred. But he caught the sense of anger, but instead of it deteriorating into this destructive force, sought to find a way and wasn't until 1988, uh, 1998, nearly 100 years later, that finally Ngaitahu, uh, Waitaha, Ngati Mamoi, the peoples of these lands, started to get some sense of redress to the injustice and disposition that occurred. This psalm captures, in many ways, the sorrow, the grief, the mockery um, that was part of the experience of this people and also the rage, but instead of letting it become a destructive force, turning it into a creative force that moved towards, moved the arc of justice forward in this land. So I just want to say an encouragement from this psalm for me. I trust for you will be that Allowing ourselves to give voice to that which is within us and listening carefully to the voices of the dispossessed, the exiled, the traumatized in our own lands and in our own communities and the lives of others and letting the psalm become a tool that can help to cultivate deeper empathy, greater understanding and solidarity in the causes of justice would be a wonderful gift to us, even given the horror that it speaks of. This song, even though it is a lament, maybe a rap song of rage, is still one that can be a gift which brings life. Tihe moriora, the breath of life to us as well. Let's pray. Itea our Father who dwells in the heavens, your name is holy. It's holy love. May your kingdom come. 
your kingdom of love. May your will be done on this earth, this whenua, in Waitaha, Canterbury, in Ototahi, in this city. May your will be done in our hearts and lives, and might we be shaped to live and walk and move and pray in the way of Jesus. And might the ark of justice continue to bend. And might your mercy and your forgiveness and your love continue to bend it in our hearts. Amen. Amen.